You didn't say go this time. Because <laughs> I forgot how after we talked about it last time. I was like, how do I say it? You're like, go. go. That's how you always Okay. I got it. Okay. Like your like your uh, Spanish language soccer announcer. Sure. Like go. Sure. <laughs> or like like in birth to three, we always used to like teach go. So that's how we would all always do it then. So I think that's probably where that originated from. Hi, listener. Ooh. Hello, Hi, everyone. Friends. Listeners, countrymen. Lend us your beers. And women. And women. <laughs> Lend us your butts. <laughs> Lend us your butts, butts, butts. Hi, everyone. We're, Hi. we're continuing to talk about Bob's Burgers this week. Burgers of the Bob. The Burgers of the Bob. And not this weekend, but next weekend, we finally get to see this amazing movie that's coming out. So that's yeah. exciting. And we're going to see it. And we're we're gonna see it, and then we're gonna eat burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, nom nom, um, nom nom. So uh, today is a very special episode because I'm gonna talk <laughs> about butts. It's like an after school special. <laughs> exactly. Rhonda, how are you in the world? I um I feel like my butt could be better. Okay. Yeah. In terms of like. The emotions of your butt or like the physical yeah, like okay. I think the okay. emotions of my butt, you know, <laughs> so it could be better. Oh, um no. okay. The my butt gets very um gets very sensitive. I'm crying. Um oh, don't cry. My butt loves you. <laughs> Welcome to Pop DNA. Where we talk about butts. We're going to talk about butts. Um, but really. Butts, butts, butts. Butts, That's what, butts, Like, butts. did we talk about that last time? How it makes me think of boats, boats, boats. And I and think that's. How I Met Your Mother. I think that's definitely the inspiration for that title. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, but behind the word. the butts, Behind. Butts. butts, butts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um <laughs> We're three minutes in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about butts. What did you we're expect? Talking butts. Um, <laughs> but really, I wanted to highlight all of the subtle and not so subtle ways that Bob's Burgers is talking about puberty and the like painful process that we go through around mm. Tina's age. And kind of how we talk about puberty with, with kids and how we decompress about it as adults. Um, And I'm defining puberty here as like specifically the ways that our emotions connect with our hormones at this time in our lives when we're also Mm -hmm. learning about kind of romantic and platonic relationships. And I thought about one specific episode of Bob's Burgers that I mentioned last week, um, V for Valentine Detta. (laughs) Because I think it goes through a bunch of really important moments within our, like, the journey that you go through um, or could possibly go through as you go through puberty. And I also, I got a little nerdy. I also connected this to families. That's so unlike (laughs) you. I know I'm never nerdy. Mm -hmm. I connected it to the um, family systems theory within sociology. So, sociology. Sociology of the family. 
I mean, I try. Um, <laughs> sociology of the family just deals with kind of all of the relationships that we have within our family units. And one thing that's talked about is the five purposes of the family. So we learn five major things from our family units or that we either learn them very well or learn them in a way that is um, maybe something that we have to work through later. It just depends um, on your own personal take on what you've learned from your family. But I said, but again, oh no. Um, <laughs> one thing that our families teach us is sexual regulation. And that just means how we engage in romantic relationships with romantic partners and also with platonic relationships as well. So um, the sexual regulation piece is how we learn how to engage with um, romantic partnerships. We start by watching how our, um, how our adults engage in romantic partnerships and how um, our potentially any siblings or aunts or uncles or any family members engage with romantic partnerships. And then as we learn and grow and start to engage ourselves, we also learn from um, their re responses to our actions in these first romantic partnerships. So I paired that with the val uh, V for Valentine Detta, and it's <laughs> going to get real sociological. I think the Belchers do a pretty good job of this. I was also thinking about there's kind of these two ways that we have a discourse surrounding puberty in America. I think first and foremost, um, there's how we talk about it as students experiencing it firsthand. So how Tina talks about her own puberty um, and how she needs to decompress about it. And then there's also as adults, we still need to decompress mm -hmm. about our experiences yeah. um, during puberty. That's why, like, as a 30-year-old, um, I still watch V for Valentine Detta, and I still feel uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> in the same way that Tina does. So I'm still decompressing about those moments in my own life when I felt the utter dread that our friend Tina feels. Mm -hmm. And I... Yeah, we'll jump right in. I blah blah like, blahs blah blog. I feel like yeah. this I feel like this connects to mean girls. Do you remember when yeah. we taught like way, way back in season one when we talked about mean girls, we talked about how we like when you watch mean girls again as an adult and you kind of relive that same kind of feeling the yeah. like those like that like social um the social feelings the social experiences that we had as teenagers we kind of relive that totally like that just popped into my head like, yeah no I completely agree and it you know I don't know about you but for me it can sometimes be visceral like mm, I feel the yeah. like tingly discomfort I'm like mm -hmm. oh no I don't want to do that ever again yeah it's part of the reason I haven't watched Pen Fifteen yet because I'm oh, like nervous to. Yeah. Have you seen it? It gets a, it gets really real. I'll tell you. Okay. Like <laughs> I love that show, but yeah, I'm like, how how did they know? Like how did <laughs> they capture 
Like, was this a universal experience that we all had? Like, anyone who was in middle school in the 2000s, like, we all had the same experience? Is that that how it worked? (laughs) I think to some degree, yeah. I think we all have, it's such a shared lived experience, you know? And it's just such a fascinating time. Oh, wow. Never again. (laughs) Never, never again. Um, (laughs) Although I do really want to watch Pen15. I've just been nervous about it. Not nervous about it. Well, you know, if you you want a friend to watch it with, I I would volunteer as tribute. (laughs) (gasps) Absolutely. Because I was thinking lately that I wanted to to rewatch the first season. So, So, hey. Hey. we, We should do that. Yeah. Hey. And, hey. And any of hey, you listeners hey, can join hey, us too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aw. Good stuff. Can we get through an episode without a Hamilton reference? Apparently not. <laughs> no. Of course not. My goodness. So I don't know if you remember this specific episode, V for Valentine oh, Detta. Absolutely. It's a classic. <laughs> classic big. <laughs> And kind of, so Louise introduces the whole situation pretty perfectly. She says some jerk stood stood her uh, stood Tina up on Valentine's Day, and her puberty operating system crashed. <laughs> um, which is very true. And as Jean puts it, some news: Tina's completely broken. Um, and so like. I think that's our first instance of, if not sexual regulation, then learning about the world through the socialization of your um, your older sibling. Mm. So Louise and Jean are not yet feeling these deep emotional feels about like a heartbreak, but they're watching Tina go through it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that indirect learning um, about like the world of the romantic relationship, you know? So that's kind of the first moment that I pointed to. But I really, I really, really wanted to point to the very first part of this episode. So I I wanted to take a moment to, to highlight the names of both the um, exterminator company and the store next door. <laughs> so um, the store next door is gloves actually that fails. And the exterminator is shall we ants instead of shall we dance. <laughs> and then the burger of the week is shut up and Swiss me just all around fantastic. But the most, most notable of all is how this episode opens. We get a picture of Wagstaff elementary and we just hear Tina's iconic uh, <laughs> noise. And that proceeds, like, that as an introduction to an episode about puberty is perfect. Mm-hmm. It it shows the world of the school where that microcosm where that usually happens first is the world of the school. And then you get... Tina's reaction to it and she continues to only make that noise for the first day of the episode um so it it kind of it just gets to that like that feeling of not even knowing where to go forward yeah well and it's also that like at that eight like that early adolescence stage where like you're feeling these emotions for the first time and yeah. so you have like no 
context and like no um no sense of like like you think like oh this is just my new reality like this feeling is never going to end because it's such a big emotion and you feel it so viscerally you know when you feel it for the first time that's and that like yeah, like, I agree that, like, Tina just going, uh, for a whole day, that perfectly captures, in a very yeah. funny way, obviously, but that perfectly yeah. captures how you feel when you're that age and that happens to you. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I just really appreciated it because it's, like, it's so funny and it's also heartbreaking at the same time because we all have that, like, oh, I know exactly mm-hmm. how that feels. Like, yeah. oh, man, Oh, that's awful. And then we get on to phase two, which is Tina's, those noises she makes when she's, like when it's just all too much, like when we've gone from like the deep despair to like the nervousness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I do in my, like when I'm feeling nervous, I find myself making a similar kind of um, noise. And it, it points to that anxiety. So it goes from the deep despair into anxiety. And this phase two is the next day Tina finds out that Jimmy Jr. has, in fact, asked out Becky. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is so funny how they say that. But he has, in fact, asked out Becky. What's her name? But the important point is that he she finds out from an accidental group text from Tammy. <laughs> so Tammy says, I d- it's like tells her this whole awful thing through text and then says, oh, Tina, you shouldn't even be on this. Like you're not even important enough to be on this text. Mm. So it showcases that social piece of it. And I think puberty might not be so bad if we weren't also in a microcosm with other people who are also feeling huge emotions and don't know how to regulate them who are lashing out and being kind of angry so like just kind of the way they build that world that social world is really important here and finally louise and linda decide to take um tina on kind of a girl's a girl's night which brings about the eventual um, empowerment that Tina goes through um, through this episode. We also meet the character of Nat, the limo driver here, played by <laughs> yeah. Jillian Bell, who becomes kind of an accomplice of uh, Louise's. And there's some good things and some bad things about this part. Like, they go to a hair salon, mm-hmm. which feels a little bit um, uncomfortable. We'll get that. We'll get to that in a second. I did also want to highlight what Jean and um, Bob are doing. Um, <laughs> so for for Valentine's Day, this is all takes place on Valentine's Day. Right. But for Valentine's Day, Bob and Linda got kissing coupons, <laughs> which are just like fun nights out for each other. And Bob and Jean go on this whole subplot where they do um, like a trapeze thing and they do uh-huh. kind of a fun thing like that. But the there are some really subtle social commentary pieces here. So <laughs> when Bob asks Jean if he'd like to go, Jean says, yes, just make sure you wait three days to call me afterwards so you don't seem too desperate to be my dad. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes, but also points to that sexual regulation piece of how 
how kids learn these bizarro social norms that are just more of a hassle than uh-huh. anything. Yeah. So, like, funny Jean joke, absolutely. Deeper kind of thinking about social norms that Jean is doing, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, I think that's a really good moment there. And the end point for Tina's journey is just that she decides, so they have this whole subplot to, like, ruin the date or make them both embarrassed or whatever and at the end tina just says no becky what's her name seems pretty cool like i respect you and you respect me and it you know it just ends there as like we shouldn't tear other people down Mm -hmm. and then jimmy jr says i'm breaking up with you too and they (laughs) both go home um it's and that points to his own like He's processing how to be in romantic relationships, Uh too. And it's goofy and it's weird. And it probably feels pretty weird to him to have it like all this attention from so many different people. But to the smaller kind of uncomfortable moment, Linda, Louise and Tina, as a means to feel better, go to a hair salon to get makeovers. And this this is something that we see in rom-coms all the time. This is something that I was taught to do during when I got my period as a kid, like, oh, go to a go get a makeover, go to the hair salon. Like it's very much can be part of that like socialization there and it shouldn't be. The idea of a makeover like just makes me cringe a little bit. Why is that, do you think? I think because, like, it's the idea, as I hear it, a makeover feels like I'm not good enough already. You know, Mm. that term makeover? But that's my own personal, like, reaction to it, I think. Yeah. Um, Well, because I think, like, if we want to get really deep and psychological here. So, like, when I think of, like, a makeover in terms of, like, when we see a makeover sequence, like, in a movie... Or, like, in, well, like, kind of in this case, where, like, yeah, I think so often in that stereotypical way, a makeover is sort of, like, shorthand for some kind of character development. And sure. in, in most cases, it's very lazy shorthand because <laughs> it's yeah. basically, well, like, we talked about this with, like, Pygmalion and My Fair Lady, where, like, like that's the only character development that that female character ever gets is just that oh now she looks better right right like yeah but i think that i think that we kind of have that idea of the makeover of like the stereotypical like surface level makeover in a hollywood movie as a shorthand for this is what this character is I think yeah. that that's kind of what we have in our minds and that's and that at least for me is why the idea of any character in any work getting a quote unquote makeover kind of makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think that in this in this case and like in other cases that I could name as well, I think that the use of a makeover as a part of a character's story isn't always just that surface level idea. Yeah. It's also different 
in the way that like stories frame it differently. So like sure. in this case, in the case of Linda and Louise and Tina going to a salon to quote unquote get a makeover, like it's framed as a way for them to bond with each other. Yeah. And yes, like the the choice of like a very stereotypically feminine activity for the three female identified characters to bond together like that is worth questioning for sure but i also see it as more than just like oh we're gonna make this like this character look better now like it's more about them bonding together and then also like there is a very real kind of sense of like being happy or be or kind of like owning your physical appearance is a way to kind of like get to know yourself internally and and to kind of like claim your confidence taking pride in your physical appearance can be a way to do that it's not the only way um but it can be a way to kind of like tap into your internal confidence so I mean I I co- I completely get how, like your your reaction of like recoiling <laughs> to them getting a makeover <laughs> like I totally get that but I do think that there can be more to it than yeah. than what we think of as like the stereotypical makeover. I love that. I love that analysis and I think what really supports additionally that analysis is that Louise gets to just have a scary face yeah. painted. Yeah. Like she is that's how she feels strong and powerful. And yeah, I I love that. Yeah. I was I was just I um was just watching uh I w- it was a video on TikTok about the quote unquote makeover in um my big fat Greek wedding. Right. Where like Tula like chooses to like she kind of has like a whole like internal makeover as well where like she's she like starts pursuing her ambitions and then because of that internal confidence she starts to express that new um that new sense of self in the way she presents herself visibly um which i thought was such a great analysis of like this is how, like, if a make if a physical makeover is part of your character's journey, this is a better way to do it, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that moment. That's I a great movie. That, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now yeah, that I've puberty. derailed us, <laughs> my big no, fat Greek yeah. wedding is is a coming of age movie, which we talked yeah. about coming of age last time. But yeah, that's <laughs> it. Absolutely is. Yeah. So I do think that, like, there's a lot to unpack in how gender is expressed. Um, I Even just with that episode, how, like, the girls have a ladies' night and they get makeovers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Y- yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like, I just went on a, on a rant about how it's not necessarily, you know, um, regressive. But, you know, the optics of it are maybe not the greatest, but... <laughs> sure, yeah. But... It can be both. Yeah, you it, know, can it, be can both. Be it can both. be both. It can be both. But I definitely did want to 
look into how Bob's Burgers as a show explores gender a little bit more. And if you'll remember from our table of contents episode, I said that I wanted to look into basically how Bob's Burgers handles inclusivity in general. But as I kind of like started to dig into it, I, it focused, I, you know, kind of focused a little bit more on how it expresses gender and, and sexuality to an extent. Um, because yeah. it definitely, those, those two things definitely kind of flow together and overlap quite a bit. Sure. Um, gender and sexuality. But I wanted to talk about Jean Belcher. So. Yes. <laughs> well, and actually Louise, maybe we should talk about Louise since you mentioned how she gets her scary face painted and that's how she expresses yeah. her femininity. So I also love in the episode where like they get trapped on the cruise ship and like Bob has to be the <laughs> chef on this cruise ship. Um, the Louise goes to the nail salon and she gets like talons. <laughs> Yes. Like attached to her fingers, like rather than getting, you know, a regular manicure, she gets these like claws. Um, <laughs> and then she uses them to like spear like pieces of food and eat. Them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just like another way that Louise um, chooses to express her gender identity. Um, yeah. Or, you know, like maybe it's not even about gender for her. Like she just wants to have claws because they're cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, both Louise and Jean, I think, show, like, a pretty realistic, like, understanding that real kids have of their gender. As, yeah. As, like, you know, because, like, kids are, I don't have to tell you this, Erin, you're a teacher, but, like, kids only have, like, a sense of the gender that they have been taught like kids don't come out of you know no kids don't enter the world knowing what gender they are right like they're socialized to kind of adapt these gendered traits that we tend to associate with each sex but like kids also like it's so interesting to see like especially like maybe four or five-year-old kids who are, like, just starting to realize that gender is kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, you can tell when when that kid's parents have kind of decided to let them explore that on their own versus when yeah. the parents have decided, like, nope, you're going to have, you know, only boy things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which... It, Fortunately, I think that's becoming less and less common. But yeah, all to say that I think it's very realistic for kids, especially, to have kind of a gender fluid understanding of their own gender. Yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily that they, you know, like Jean Belcher, you know, definitely like, I think like as... As, you know, in a stereotypical understanding of binary gender, like, mostly he seems like he identifies as a boy, but he also, you know, is not, like, hung up on a gender stereotype of being a boy. Like, he yeah. has, like, worn dresses before. Like, even in the Gale Tales 
um, the Gale Tales episode where he's like one of the sisters in Lady Chatterteeth's Lover. And he's like, he's like talking about his petticoats and like his bonnet. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he, he also just like is not, is not concerned with like seeming, you know, or like over, um, like performing masculinity. Like he's just fully himself. (laughs) And then Louise, of course, also kind of is the same way. Like, I think that, you know, as we, as we understand gender, like we would say that Louise is a girl, but she, you know, in the same way that Jean doesn't, isn't overly concerned with like, masculinity louise is not overly concerned with femininity like she absolutely is just gonna do what she wants um yeah yeah so yeah i think that's an interesting way that the show explores gender and just kind of presents gender especially the way that kids understand it in a very like realistic way Uh, i also wanted to talk about bob because like this is kind of a i don't know if this is technically like still a fan theory or if it's like confirmed in canon um that bob is bisexual um so he uh i think it was an a an a thanksgiving episode the one where he like has to go back to the grocery store a bunch of times because he keeps yes um he keeps putting it in the toilet <laughs> so like yeah right um so and like the the guy at the at the meat counter is like thinks that bob is like flirting with him and right. like at the end the guy finally is just like all right fine i'll go out with you and bob like has to like well, of course he's like well no because like i'm married and i have three kids but then he's he's like well but uh <laughs> but maybe um <laughs> but also yeah, yeah. well yes. and then i think he even also says um like he's mostly straight like that's the <laughs> quote right um, yeah an interesting way of phrasing it and yeah so just like i i i appreciate that this it's like in both with both gender and with Bob's possible sexuality, like they're both just presented as just reality, and it's not like absolutely, it's not like you know they have to make a point of of saying, you know, I don't know, you know what? I, no, it's, I absolutely don't know what I, okay. It's late. <laughs> no, it's so important. It reminds me of um, what Dan Levy was saying as he was writing Shit's Creek is that it was really important that um, his character of David not ever have to be like, like, not ever have to say like, that was the major plot line was that I'm gay and this, you know, it was subtle. Yeah. It's the actual life that you live yeah. um, if you identify as anything in the world you're gonna just live your life it doesn't have to be like a plot line and i really appreciate that about bob's burgers yeah yeah well and then i also wanted to talk about marshmallow uh because i think she is like a fan favorite and you know for good reason so this is kind of an interesting thing so like 
Marshmallow is a trans woman. And, like, it's never, like, I don't think it's ever made at, like, it's never, like, a major plot point that, like, oh, everyone's going to find out that she's trans or, like, like, everyone already knows and they accept her the way she is. So, you know, I think that's really great. But I did find a really interesting article that explores a little bit deeper into how Marshmallow is portrayed and how she's treated in um, the seasons that she's in. So this article is from June of 2020, and that is important for context. So Marshmallow is a Black trans woman, but she is voiced by a white cisgender actor who also... I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Who also... Wow. Um, he also plays Mr. Frond, um, and he's played a couple other characters. So, I mean, I think that is pretty common on animated shows that like actor like actors who play the minor characters were kind of double up like you know that happens but I think that you know that's in this case maybe that shouldn't have been the case yeah and I also don't believe that Marshmallow has been in the show since June of 2020 has she oh I don't remember I don't... Um, because this was kind of, yeah, because this was kind of a, um, this was discussed, um, cause this yeah. is like around the same time. So Lauren Bouchard, um, also produced Big Mouth. I was thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, in which, um, Jenny Slate voiced a yeah. black character and yeah. this is around the time that she stepped down and they recast that character, which as they should. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, kind of a there was a fan voiced concern about Marshmallow because, you know, Marshmallow yeah. should also, you know, be voiced by an actor who is, you know, that has her same identity. Yeah. So... This article is in Mashable from June of 2020. So this um, is really kind of an opinion piece, kind of like just exploring how the situation was handled by the showrunners. Um, and then, of course, like we don't have a follow up um, in the two years since then. Right. But this article does point out um, that the problem with Marshmallow goes beyond just the, the actor voicing her. And this and brings up um, some concerns about how not just Marshmallow, but how other trans characters have been portrayed in the show. Yeah. So it it um, highlights the the episode from season one, the one where Bob drives a cab and he picks yes. up the three. So I don't I don't know if it's ever made clear if they're if they're drag queens or if they are trans women, but the way that like that episode treats those characters isn't always great. Um, no. Yeah. There's um, this article points out that like t there's kind of tone deaf jokes. Like there's several uses of the word transvestite, which is not, you know, a, no. not a word that, 
that community wants to be referred to by. Um, no. And Marshmallow's characterization, this article points out, is kind of the best out of all of them. Um, so, like, she kind of has, like, the best lines in the episode, and she has, you know, some good character moments in that episode. But just overall, you know, it's it doesn't portray trans women in a great light. Right. Yeah. So... This article does point out, of course, it was what was considered acceptable among mainstream audiences in 2011 when the episode aired isn't what's acceptable today, but that doesn't make it okay. Yeah. Um, One could have reasonably understood Marshmallow being removed from the Bob's universe as show creators thought better of their season, but instead Bob's opted to keep Marshmallow part of its rotating cast a move that thus far has only cemented her marginalization. Right. Um, so it points out that she's used in subsequent episodes. She um, isn't given very many lines, and a lot of the time she's really only there, like, just as, you know, someone to walk into the scene, and they can say, yeah. hey, Marshmallow. She's yeah. not really a fully realized character. Absolutely. Yeah. And then... Like, this, the article goes on to point out that, like, it wouldn't be, like, a big deal for her to not be in the show very much. Like, that happens. Like, it could just be that, you know, she's a minor character and that's the way it is. And, like, that would be fine. But Bob's has repeatedly touted Marshmallow as a symbol of its queer allyship. Plastering her face on the show's 2019 Pride merchandise. And 50% of the proceeds did go to the Trevor Project. Um, Okay. But then using her character to wish LGBTQ viewers a happy pride in 2020. So this says, it's clear the show would like to be given credit for its representation of black trans people, even if that representation is shallow, lacking, and originates from an offensive chapter in the show's history. Yeah. And... Yeah, It just makes me think of the other characters, the other, like, members of the community in Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. You could say that they're pretty realized. A lot of yeah. those smaller characters get pretty fully realized. So to not grant that to Marshmallow is really... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's... That's yeah. just a... Yeah. Yeah. So, again, like, this article is from 2020. It's been two years. So, I don't, I don't recall if Marshmallow has appeared in the seasons since then. It would be interesting to see. But there have been, like, um, kind of, like, fan um, requests or, like, fan theories. Well, not theories exactly, but, like, Fan proposals, I guess, would be would be a good <laughs> a good word. Um, yeah. That like doing a Bob spinoff and have Marshmallow be the main character and actually, you know, yeah. hire writers, hire a new actor for her, who you know could do her story justice and could do this character really well. Yeah. Um, and I would absolutely watch that. So I mean yes please do that but yeah i i didn't really want to make this like a downer (laughs) no i (laughs) think it's really yeah i did just want to point out that like for all that the show is like in in a lot of ways it is very like kind of 
subtly progressive, you know, in the way that it, not just in the way that it presents gender, but, but just like in a lot of its kind of social commentary, it is like yeah, pretty progressive. So like to have this one, well, and I'm sure that there are other areas where it falls short, yeah, but like just to have this one kind of glaring blind spot um, yeah. in the show's progressive sensibility, I think you know, I think it's like something to be aware of as viewers because like we should always be aware of, you know, what the media we're consuming is, is saying about, especially about people in marginalized communities because that affects how we interact with people and how we view the world. So yeah, I think that, that, you know, we just need to not to be like, not, this isn't to say like cancel Bob's burgers or anything, but like <laughs> the, you know, like this, we, we should be aware of this. Yeah. And don't, like you mentioned, maybe don't use this character without any additional storylines right. yeah. to then also brag about how you're handling a situation like that's just not yeah not anything we ever want to do really important i think i think it's just really important to um to be highlighting these things about shows that we love about shows that we hate mm-hmm. about shows that we're indifferent about it's really important. Um, so thank you. This was great. Yeah. Yeah. And justice for Marshmallow. Yeah. Because I do love her and feel like we don't get nearly enough Marshmallow in in the show. Yep. And you know what, Bob's Burgers? Pride Month is coming up next yeah. month. So maybe you want to like write something new, write yeah. something authentic, right? It'd something be a that great feels... time for an announcement that Marshmallow yeah. getting her own show. Yeah, Can you imagine how great that would be, though? Yes. Anyway. I would absolutely <laughs> tune in. Um, and I mean, you could have other like other minor Bob's characters that we don't see yeah. very often could like join in, too. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, have we talked long enough? <laughs> I have really liked our content today. Me too. It's been good. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm going to go eat a burger. Yes, do it. <laughs> oh, Erin, <gasps> I just remembered. What? I have an ice cream bar in my freezer. <gasps> And Secret I ice cream. It. It's a it's a Magnum bar with like the <gasps> with like the caramel inside of the chocolate shell. Mm. Yes. Secret so ice cream bar. Secret I ice that. cream. Have... That's my emergency ice cream. It's your emergency. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe there's like a little bit of ice around it, and you can like crack it yeah, in case of emergency it's fine. and then it's grab good. it. Yeah, that's all, folks. <laughs> that's all, folks. I I have Bob's Burgers on my screen. I'm gonna go watch. Yay! Yeah, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm so excited for your secret ice cream journey. My secret ice cream. I have to decide what I'm gonna watch now. Oh yeah. Ooh, always a conundrum. Always. always. Okay. We'll see you next time, friends. Bye, friends. Goodbye.